The Chat Spotlight, Episode 20. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to this 20th episode of the Jazz Spotlight Podcast. I'm thrilled about it. I'm very happy. You know, it really feels like yesterday that I started with the podcast, but it actually been already 19 episodes. I know, that's a long time. It really feels like, you know, it's been just a couple of weeks, but it's been already a few months. The first thing I want to do today is thank each and every one of the guests I had here during the podcast from episode two, because the first one was just an introduction with myself, from episode two until today. Thank you all of you for your great contribution, for spending time with me, with the listeners, and thank you for sharing, you know, your stories, giving out advice, links to useful resources. I can't thank you enough. Thank you very much. I really appreciate what you did. So, episode 20, episode 20. In case you are a first-time listener of the podcast, I want to welcome you on the Jet Spotlight podcast and remind you that I'm Yanni Lunga from thejetspotlight.com, website where I write about jazz festivals and jazz venues around the world. There is a blog there with different kind of articles. And there is the podcast, what you're listening to now. The podcast, you can find it on the website if you go to thejetspotlight.com slash podcast. And it's also available on iTunes at thejetspotlight.com slash show. And also on Stitcher. If you're a Stitcher user, you can find the Stitcher page of the podcast at thejetspotlight.com slash Stitcher. And the podcast is also on SoundCloud. I know, I know it's a lot of places, but, you know, I try to be everywhere so that people can listen to the podcast from, you know, from their favorite platform. So if you're on SoundCloud, just look for The Jet Spotlight and you will find the episodes of The Jet Spotlight podcast. So today we continue this special edition of the podcast with some of the stars of the 2014 edition of the Potty Jets Festival. And we have another great guest here. I'm honored, simply honored to have him on the show. If you are following him, you probably know that about a month ago he has released his latest album while you were sleeping. And you know that he's been really busy, really touring in North America in Europe and now is probably in Tokyo so he's also in Asia. It's really hardworking guy and a very cool person. I had a very good time during the interview. That's right, it's him, it's Jose James. Today is here for the 20th episode of the Jet Spotlight podcast to talk about many many things including his latest album While You Were Sleeping, his favorite city, his favorite music club, and he also has some advice for all of those who would like to follow his footsteps. So, you know, if you have been thinking about becoming a musician, Jose James has some tip for you. So, without further ado, here is a Jets talk with Jose James. Enjoy! Hey Jets fans, what's up? Yanni Lunga here from the Jets Spotlight Podcast at Pori Jets and I continue this series of interviews at Jets Talk With. And today I have another guest here that I'm super excited about and I have to tell you a little bit more about him. You know, he has released his latest album while you were sleeping about a month ago, a month and a half ago, and he's now 
back in Pori after I've been performing here some years ago. And you know, it's pretty nice, pretty nice day, sunny. He's set to perform in, in a couple of hours. Let, let's hear more from here. It's with great pleasure that I welcome on the show Jose James. Hey, Jose, how are you today? I'm good, man. Beautiful day. Good to be back in Pori. All right. And what, what are your thoughts about Pori? Because it used to be an indoor festival, and this year they have changed a bit the structure. It's an open-air festival with three stages. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I was noticing that because um, I was expecting the same. I think we played in a big room last time inside with uh, with Timo and the orchestra. I think this is great. This is a lot bigger. It's a beautiful day, and uh, I'm excited to, to see the crowd. There's always a great crowd in Finland. And how does, you know, performing outdoors and at a festival change compared to performing at a venue indoors like a music club? Well, I think it depends on the weather. You know, like a day like today is perfect. Everybody's a lot happier being outside, being in the sun. It makes it feel more like a party. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you have been really busy. You have been now in June. You have been performing in LA at the Playboy Jazz Festival in San Francisco, the San Francisco Jazz. Then in New York at the Blue Note Jazz Festivals, where you had the premiere of while you were sleeping. Now you're here in Europe, in in Finland. Tomorrow you go to Belgium, and then you go to Japan. Don't you ever get tired of touring and traveling this much? I don't. You know, I mean, for me, um, it's really addictive. You know, I love meeting new people. I love seeing new places. And, you know, I really look forward to like, um, the next destination, you know, I have like favorite festivals, favorite clubs, favorite friends and stuff. So for me, it's like, I get bored sitting at home, you know, I need to it gets to a point where you're like, okay, I need a break. So we have to schedule like August. I'm not really doing much. So, but right now I'm enjoying it a lot. Yeah. And of of the places you've been to, is there a place in particular, can be a city, a festival, or a venue that has really impressed? Um, well, definitely, like in terms of audiences, you know certain cities are great. You know, like um, London, Paris, New York. Uh, let's see. When, when Oakland is like a fantastic audience, mm-hmm. Atlanta is really great. Um, sit and like in terms of that, it doesn't really matter what venue, mm-hmm. it's just always going to be a great show, audience wise. And Finland, too, you know, Helsinki Flow Festival, when I play there, it's great. Pori's great. Um, I think, in terms of like my favorite cities, like I love Tokyo probably more than any other city. Because I, I love all the food, I love Japanese food, so I just eat all the time, like ramen and soba and sushi. Um, and in terms of venues, I love Ancien Belgique in Brussels. That's my favorite club in the world, like hands down. Okay. Yeah, it's really great, and I do a lot of special shows there that I don't do anywhere else in the world because I have a good relationship with the with the artistic director. Okay, that's very cool to hear. And I have to ask you another question, a bit tough one about touring, because obviously with all the places you have just mentioned and some of the places I've mentioned, you also face audiences, you know, different kind of audiences, different kind of ages, cultures. How do you, you know, how do you kind of get ready in, if we can say so, for, you know, for audiences around the world? 
Um, that's a good question. I mean, some of it also has to do with like festival versus club. Festivals like today, you only get usually like an hour to play, which for my group and my presentation is not a long time. So it's sort of like um, a best of set. You know, we sort of try to do highlights, keep it really punchy in and out, you know. In a club, you sort of have more time to stretch out, get the audience involved in things. Um, so, so, so definitely like some places we just know we're not going to play certain songs. But, you know, that's one thing. Um, the major thing about city to city is there's a different culture. Like, for example, when we're going to Japan, we're playing two sets in the Blue Note Clubs, and it's very strict. Like, you have an hour for the first set and an hour plus encore for the second set. You can't go over. They, it's a different audience. So you sort of have to really plan because you want to give everybody a great experience. Um, and a Japanese crowd is a good example because if you've never played there, you would think that you're, they hate you because you're, they're super quiet. And that's the highest form of respect for them is to be silent so they can really listen to the music and they don't interrupt anything. But if you don't know that, I mean, the first time I played there, I was like, man, nothing is working. They hate everything we're doing. I was so depressed, you know. And then after, the, they were like, that was the best show ever. And I was like shocked, you know. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's really it's really that, you know, our, our band really thrives on like call and response. So like if you're playing like a very black place like Atlanta or um, man, or, or New York, you know, it's really good for us because it feels like everybody's involved. Um, but I think this project is sort of designed to be able to be self-contained too. So it's helpful if we have a great crowd, but if we don't, we still are able to like lay it down mm -hmm. more than any other thing we've done before. Cause the sound is a lot stronger and there's, it's like more of a pop structure. Mm -hmm. And before we go more into detail uh, or we talk more about while you were sleeping, I actually want to go back to something you said that it was pretty interesting when you talked about the sets you mentioned, for example, today that it's like about an hour and then you talked about Tokyo. My question to you, it's a question that I'm sure that can be also be helpful for, you know, our listeners who are artists themselves. How do you, since now, uh, while you were sleeping, it's your uh, fourth album. So how do you put together a set that, you know, kind of makes everyone happy? So your fa those that have been f following you since 2008 yeah. and those that maybe has just found out about you with what you were sleeping. How do you choose the songs, you know, to start a show, mm -hmm. uh, finish a show? Well, I definitely have been, I, I, I pretty much start this set with um like album tracks like as on the album you know so angel um you're the one uh while you were sleeping and anywhere you go those are the first four tracks in the album i think they made and, and i designed it the album itself to sort of reflect the live show more than anything i've ever done before in a way this album is like the closest to how my live show feels um so that is pretty much how I start any set. And from there, I feel like I've, I've played enough of the new album to sort of satisfy myself and the fact that, okay, we're on tour with this new project. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, I, I keep songs like Park Bench People, 
which I've been playing since 2007, which is a really strong by Freestyle Fellowship. Um, and Come to My Door, which ladies love, you know, and I love to keep the ladies happy. And Trouble, you know, so those are the three songs that we definitely keep. Um, I have like a small radio hit in, in Japan since 2008 called Promise and Love. So I do that as an encore in Japan, mm-hmm. always. Um, but basically that, you know, and then if there's time, like those are the songs that are like going to be in any show. Mm-hmm. And then if there's time, depending on, I can include other things. And which one is your favorite Jose James song? Uh, Like personally, right now, I would say While You're Sleeping. Mm-hmm. Like that's like the most complex song I've written. It's the hardest to sort of pull off in the studio and live too. Mm-hmm. And I love the kind of journey, like the reaction, because it's kind of like the most different for my fans. Mm-hmm. Like when we start into it, I can tell like newer fans are kind of like, what is this, you know? <laughs> But then as it builds, because it starts very small and, and gets bigger and bigger. And by the end, people are like really into it. So I feel like that's the transition for me between like into the new stuff more than anything else. And let's talk about while you were sleeping for a moment. It's your fourth album now since the, it's been six years now since the first album, The Dreamer, and time flies. And now this is your second release un, uh, under the Blue Note. So where, you know, where did you get started with while you were sleeping? What, you know, where did you got the inspiration to write this album? Um, it came out of touring No Beginning, No End. You know, I was really, we tour a lot, you know, and um, I was sort of like getting frustrated with the energy, you know, of that show. Um, the high point would always be like park bench people. And I was kind of like, man, I wish the energy could sort of be there all the time. And so I started thinking about ways to sort of just have more energy without expending energy. So it was like more about the sound and the production. And I listened to a lot of stuff like James Blake, for example, or Junip. Um, they're not loud bands, but there's a lot of intensity and a lot of kind of power in what they do. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking about production-wise, that kind of stuff. And everyone in the band is also kind of in the same place. Like we all listen to a lot of like different genres of music so we sort of brought our own talents for that mm-hmm. um especially rich rich spaven who's on drums from london and chris bowers on keys like he's really been getting into a lot more synth stuff in his own work too um and then i i travel with the guitar so all the songs were started and composed on guitar while i was traveling which is a good experience too Um, so I didn't really have to like wait till I got home to get on a nice piano or something. Mm-hmm. It was sort of like in the moment. And then we could workshop things at sound checks. So I was like actually sound checking songs like Anywhere You Go um, well into like last year into the No Beginning tour. So it kind of really felt like a natural outgrowth. Even though a lot of people were sort of surprised, it felt very normal for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And- And I was reading an interview you had uh, some time ago and you talked about the music you were listening to growing up and you talked about Nirvana. Yeah. And it's interesting to think like, you know, the young or younger Jose James that listen to, listens to Nirvana 
and the person you are today. And it's also interesting that you mentioned two bands you had in high school. Do you want to tell us a, a little bit about that? Because it's it's a really interesting story. I would like you to tell us a bit more about those two bands. Yeah, well, I was really into doo-wop. Like, really loved singing with people. And I had a trio with three singers called Cerulean, um, which is a shade of blue, you know. <laughs> really corny, you know. <laughs> and, you know, like... It was like a local neighborhood band. We would sing at like little festivals and parties and stuff. And it was like a cute thing. You know, I was like 16, 17. And I sang the, all the bass parts and stuff. And that was really great. And it's really gr a great way to understand different harmony parts and things like that. Um, and the other band was was my first band. It was just a jazz band. And there was a like a local legend, Donald Washington from Detroit. Um, he played saxophone sometimes, and Kevin Washington played drums. Um, Jeff Bailey paid, played bass. They're still there in Minneapolis and doing really well. And then I had a cellist. Um, I think his name was David Moore and or David Young. And that was my first group, and it was very like avant-garde mm -hmm. jazz. It wasn't really like standards or anything. Mm -hmm. And that was your first experience as band leader, am I correct? It was, yeah. And it was cool. You know, it was like, there was a, there's an audience for it. And there was a lot of support in Minneapolis for, for art music, really. You know what I mean? Like more radical stuff. And, you know, it's very, it's very nice to hear your words because you make it sound so easy in a way. And, you know, that really started like with school bands and look at you today, like you are traveling the world and I'm, I'm sure that you're having a great time and you're probably realizing a dream. And what words would you have for the young artists who perhaps would like to follow your footsteps and, you know, become professional musicians? Yeah. Well, it's really important and I can't stress it enough, like, to remember like why you love music because with all the ups there's the downs too and you know it's it's easy to sort of forget about that like for example today i have a broken foot and i have to do a show um and that could be a big challenge for a lot of people but it's kind of like and i've built such a good foundation around me like i have a great band the people who are coming to see me i know have great energy So there's not going to be a problem and it's going to be a great show. But a lot of it is so mental. Um, and especially, I would say, the, hard, the harder part is not really finding the success. Because if you work hard and you're really good, then you will find success. There's no... But you have to work really hard. It's a consequence. Yeah, it's, it's just... That's how it is. You know, if you do really well at school, you're going to get good grades. Um, there's no sort of mystery about that. But... It's when you get successful and then there's a lot of pitfalls that you can get into. Um, you might get tempted to do kind of music that's not in your comfort zone just to make money or um, give up some of your reasons that you got into music for money or get into bad lifestyle, unhealthy stuff like drugs or drinking. Or So those are the kind of things that they don't teach about in school that everybody sort of has to measure for themselves. And I would just say, you know, it takes a long time. You know, everybody should read Quincy Jones' book, Autobiography, because it's really like the musician's Bible. You know, he talks about um, what he went through to get his success. And I, and I remember that too. 
I think in this generation, we expect things to happen so fast. And someone like him or Coltrane or Aretha Franklin, they really built their careers. Even if they got success, they didn't say, okay, I'm going to cut off my community and be isolated. They helped other people with their success. So I think we can learn a lot by studying the careers of, of those kind of artists. Jose, thank you. These are very nice and, you know, inspiring words. And I'm sure they're going to be helpful for, for a lot of young musicians who would like to follow your footsteps. And now we have been talking about while you were sleeping, about your tours. What is one of the next things you would like to do for your music career? Mm. Well, I'm doing um, a few things I'm really excited about. I'm, next month, I am recording a tribute album for Billie Holiday. It's her 100th birthday next year. She's my favorite jazz singer, so that feels really good. That's going to be for Blue Note. And I've been writing with Talia Billick um, for, for my stuff and for her stuff. She's working on her album. Um, I've been really interested in producing more. I did Takuya Kuroda's album for Blue Note called Rising Sun, which was really great, and a singer at noon in, in Tokyo. Um, so I'm sort of focusing on more writing and production. Because it's just a, a different way to experience music. But sounds exciting, and I'm sure that you know your fans all over the world are looking forward to all the great things you have coming up. Jose, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, thank you all so much, man. Keep it up. Thank you, and good luck with your show, with your tours, and also with, with the food. Let's hope it's nothing serious. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. All right, everybody, we are back. Jose, if you're listening, thank you so much for this great interview, for sharing your story, telling us a little bit more about yourself and about your music. And thank you also for the advice you gave to people who would like to follow your footsteps and become musicians. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. So this is the 20th episode of the Jazz Potlet podcast. And, you know, I will continue to do my best to bring you some more exciting guests more exciting episodes of the Jet Spotlet podcast covering many kinds of things for more technical things like online promotion or how to get gigs that it's a topic that we're going to be talking about in the in some of the upcoming episodes of the podcast so if you're a musician and you're thinking about how to get gigs how you can get you know how it works you have to stay tuned because in a few episodes, we're going to talk about that with two different guests, two great guests. I won't give you too many details about it. I just gave you a hint that in some of the upcoming episodes of the podcast is, are going to be about geeks. So how to get geeks and these kind of things. If you are new to the Jet Spotlight podcast, or even if you're not new, but you haven't yet, I would like to invite you to join the Jet Spotlight community and the newsletter there is a weekly newsletter where every week you get an email with different topics and different resources that I share with my uh, followers only on the newsletter and, you know, some kind of golden tips that you can find only on the newsletter. If you would like to sign up for the newsletter, it's completely free and you can do so if you go to thejudgespotlight.com slash toolbox. You go to that page and you you will be able to download a free ebook that talks about online promotion and these kind of things and you will get a weekly email with you know more tips more topics and you know and I hope 
that it will provide you with as much value as possible because that's my goal with the podcast and with the chat spotlight to provide as much value as possible to you i'd like to wrap up this episode of the podcast with a couple of thank yous the first one is to you thank you very much for listening and also a big shout out to the facebook and twitter communities that are growing week after week after week thank you very much guys i really appreciate your support and you know i wish you all the best with the great things that are doing and you know thank you very much for sharing the posts and the tweets i really appreciate what you do if you have benefit from the podcast so far or if you're on the newsletter and you're benefit from the newsletter make sure to to share the links with your friends followers or if you know someone that could benefit from this podcast or from the jetspotlet.com please share the links with them it will be really appreciated this is the 20th episode of the jet spotlight podcast so you can find the links to all the things i talked about and the things we have talked about with jose james at the jetspotlight.com slash episode 20 i'm yanni lunga and this is the jet spotlight podcast have a great day